A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Hello, Cocoons of Horror listeners. Just a quick housekeeping note before we get going. This episode is the Season 3 wrap, and Steve and I will be taking a break from Cocoons for a while, but Steve and I are going to be doing a rewatch of Severance. And I'm not sure when we will launch that, but we will probably review that over on Double Dragon. So if you're not subscribed to that podcast go ahead and subscribe and then whenever we drop our first episode of our severance rewatch you'll be ready to go all right let's listen to rocky yell at mickey Welcome to Cocoons of Horror, the podcast where we review classic horror films and other pulp fiction. Today we take a look at arguably the greatest sequel ever made, Gremlins 2. G2 takes the Gremlin mythology and cranks it to 11. Part horror, part parody, but all wacky goofballs bananas, this is the Gremlins movie to watch. Also, the Hulkster. With me, as always, is Dr. Anthony Ladon. That's definitely the sexier of the two Gremlins. Movies. Oh, yeah. No, I was definitely, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say full arousal, but I mean, I was in the mood. I, and it's a, got a little something for everybody, you know. If you are not aroused by sexy lady Gremlin, there are other kinds of Gremlins that are maybe more your speed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is. Uh... For me, it was hard hat construction worker Gremlin. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I get that. I mean, that's 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 a that's definitely a, a top five sexy gremlin. <laughs> so I watched Gremlins two last night, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time, first time I'd ever seen it. And my wife was, my wife and I, you know, she was ready to go to bed, and I said, "Well, I'm going to stay up and watch Gremlins 2. And she said, "Why?" <laughs> and I told her. And she probably lost a little bit of respect for me. I, I'll, I'll be honest. Not... So, so had she seen this? She's <laughs> she, well. I I watched Gremlins for the very first time last week. Mm. In preparation. The yes, in prep. And I, I mean, I knew the story pretty well because this was the kind of story that your friends would like describe to you in detail on the playground. And so I felt like I was pretty well acquainted with the narrative of Gremlins. Uh, but this was the first time I had watched it, and she she watched some of that with me. Mm-hmm. Not 
really impressed by it. Not, I mean, it's, it is a Spielberg movie, uh, but not impressed with that. And then Spielberg so produced, the, you know, not directed, of course. Oh, the first one is Spielberg produced. Yeah, right. yeah. So she was the, the idea of sitting down for two hours to watch the sequel to that film was not something that she held in high regard. Um, but you know, this is the, the kind of the price of admission for cocoons of horror. Um, <laughs> you know, it does come at a cost, and uh, I'm willing to pay it from time to time. So, what, what so about you loved you? it. <laughs> uh, well, here's here's how I feel, and I think this may be a difference between you and I. But like, I was. I was kind of aghast. Like, the first 20 minutes, I'm just rolling my eyes thinking, I can't believe I have to do this. And then the last probably hour of this movie is so crazy and surprisingly self-aware and breaks the fourth wall and um, just kind of pulling out all the stops that I'm kind of sitting there aghast thinking, okay, number one, can't believe I haven't seen this before. Number two... I kind of feel lucky that I'm seeing this now, and this is a little bit, uh, this is really impressive what they pulled off here. And then, you know, immediately feeling like, oh, good, I, I don't have to ever watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but my feeling is that the, the difference is, like, you've had a lot of those same feelings, but then afterwards you'd think, yep, this suits me just fine. I'll, I'll watch <laughs> this again next week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, afterwards, we were watching this about the same time afterwards, you, you texted me and just said, perfect. <laughs> As if to say, this is the perfect movie. Uh, it's a perfect sequel, probably. <laughs> okay, tell me tell me more. I mean, like, it, it, it's, uh, so, so when you're, when you revisit a world, right, or a universe that is created, and we've talked about this now that, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've reviewed a plethora of sequels and and compared them to their originals and um mm-hmm. you know we've we've talked about you know sequels that maybe have outdone their originals and um so much in the vein of like how superman 3 sort of just goes for broke right um but it went it kind of went for broke without the self-awareness yeah like like i think it thought it was doing something better than what it was doing um mm-hmm. whereas Gremlins 2 might be one of the most self-aware movies of all time. <laughs> I I would say maybe a little bit too much. I mean, I feel like you break the fourth wall once or twice, that's fine. You do it three times? I mean, a little bit too much. Too much. Well, so this is a sequel that I don't think uh, Joe Dante wanted to make. Oh. So right. Joe Dante makes Gremlins. Um, and, uh, and I think he was pretty satisfied with it. Like at least the way, like the way the narrative wraps up mm-hmm. and then, you know, years later, then they wanted a sequel cause it was popular and it was, you know, it's, it's, a uh, it's not only is it, was it popular in the movies, but I mean, you're talking like merchandising and all yeah, the it was other beloved. It was yeah, yeah. beloved for sure. whether or not it deserved it. And here's the thing. And that's the thing about Gremlins, which I think is kind of fascinating because I don't really know too many people that like, I mean, like. They have a, maybe a nostalgic connection to Gremlins, but I don't mm-hmm. know many people that are like, oh, dude, Gremlins is great. 
you know? It's because you don't have a, a lot of racist friends, Steve. I feel like if you were living <laughs> you in me? Ohio like me. <laughs> How dare sure. you? How dare you? <laughs> All right. I have okay, almost okay. exclusively racist friends. <laughs> I take it back. But I mean, so like it's one of those movies that's like, because I, I don't know if people knew how to react to it at the time, right? Because I think it was it was pretty violent, you know. I mean, you're you're sold on this whole notion of Gizmo, who's this um, adorable, maybe, uh, but like adorably repulsive little creature, right? Hey, guy, how you doing? Did you miss me? And he sounds like Howie Mandel, so it's like another knock against him. And mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, and, and and so he's. It's an interesting story. Like the dad gets him, and and uh, and there's a price to pay. It's like there's the three rules that one of them just doesn't make any sense at all. And I can't believe nobody in the writers' room was like, "Should we? We could we give it like a different rule?" Like, <laughs> which because rule doesn't make sense? It's the feeding after midnight, like. It's always after midnight. <laughs> Not according to the Magua's body clock. <laughs> that's the thing, right? So, and that's what this movie does very well, right? So, we'll get to that in a second. Is is that it addresses that? So, I think the problem is like you could have gotten anything. You could have had any reason why, um, you know, they would turn <laughs> bad. And it, to say after midnight, I mean, it just it's like mm-hmm. such a weird plot thing, right? So it's a problem. So, but so anyway, forget all that. Like, and you have this movie, so it's like it's violent. Like, uh, gremlins are exploding; they melt a lot. There's arrows and arms. It's like gremlins. The first gremlins is 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 like it's kind of like wacky horror, but it's an interesting thing because it sort of feels like it's it's for kids, but it's really it's it's a little mm-hmm. too graphic for kids. It's a little too silly for adults. So it sort of finds itself in between, right? So it kind of cre- it's this odd. It's a, it has an odd place in our memory, right? In fact, I think people think more of Gremlins the concept than they think of Gremlins the movie. Um, so then I'm you get to Gremlins. More, I when I think of Gremlins, I think merchandise. Uh-huh. I think of, I mean, I, I think of all a lot of the things. There was Gremlins because cereal, course, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all kinds of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Wind fact, up toys. Yeah, exactly. So you get all that, and then so then Gremlins two comes out, and said so, so Joe Dante apparently thought that the movie was kind of done, right? Like, that's about it. The only reason why you would want to continue the story is if you want to do a cash grab. So they kept on, I think, working on other writers or other directors, and then eventually they got back to to him, and I guess he was able to cut a deal, which was basically, I'll make this movie, um, but I have to have full creative control. And, And he wants a bigger budget. So what he ended up doing was kind of creating this parody of of like not only gremlins in a way but almost like a parody of sequels i think it it absolutely is a parody of the first movie and also kind of a parody of all of the cash grab mentality that goes behind the parody yeah so i think everything he does is like it's so over the top because it's like this is what you want studio Mm -hmm. this is what people do so so you've (laughs) yeah there's gonna be a lab where now you're gonna get a spider gremlin 
And now you're going to get a, uh, you know, it's almost impossible to talk about this movie without thinking of the Key and Peele sketch because it's so, mm-hmm. it's so it's perfect, perfect, right? Yeah. And and the funny thing is, is that like, this is it. Like, I mean, like, that's how the, the movie almost presents itself as if that sketch was real. And I, and I think that's kind of a fascinating thing. Now, whether or not this movie is your cup of tea, whether or not the the full plot and everything works. I think that's kind of part of it, right? Like, I mean, maybe I'm giving Dante too much credit. I mean, I know they have to put a plot in there, but I don't think it matters, right? I don't think the plot matters as much. He comes up, I think the plot is important so that you can kind of follow along. Um, but uh, he just kind of does whatever he wants. And I mean, you've got, I mean, look at all the things, and not only are you parodying, doing a parody of the uh, the sequel concept, it's and the, like, you know, the cash grab, and also mm-hmm, thinking about like, mm-hmm. You're also doing it by by creating all these different gremlins. You're creating all these gremlin toys, and that's like what exactly a movie like this would do. Hey, we need to make more merchandise. Uh, people already own a gizmo, and they already own a stripe. So they're gonna. You, you got any other gremlins you can give me? I want you to turn these things into Smurfs, and that's essentially what you get, right? And then on top of it, you've got uh, making fun of Donald Trump. He's making fun of Ted Turner, uh, making fun of just sort of the. Uh, like there's a culture going on, right? Like even frozen yogurt is a <laughs> is made fun of, right? And it's and it's funny because it's like I remember when frozen yogurt was like like it changed our lives for like about two to three weeks. It was the first kind of health food that it was supposed to be like, yeah, it's but it's really good. It's healthy for you, but it's really good. Like it's supposed to, yeah. And in, in the in the sense that it's healthy for you, that it's like maybe slightly better than ice cream. Yeah, sorry. I'm glad that you mentioned this because I think that you could look at the gremlins as like they're kind of amazing. They're kind of magic. They're pretty impressive in what they they can accomplish in terms of like messing stuff up and. The things that they can become. Um, don't sleep on their ability to create costumes. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are like Broadway level costume experts. I'm not I'm not even talking about like the gremlin that like becomes the fruit face or that becomes the spider or whatever. Because that's like because the guy becomes like fruits and vegetables. The guy, like that's one he of the gremlins. Becomes fruits and vegetables. That's but one that's of the gremlins. That. That with re- kind of... with removable <laughs> olives. I'm not even thinking about that because that it grows out of his face. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the amount of costuming these gremlins have immediately available to them, and I've just written down just a couple. And I'm I'm telling you that there are hundreds in this movie, but you've got the of course the Rambo uh, costume, right? <laughs> You've got the the brain gremlin who's got the glasses and the sport coat. Yeah. Lab lab scientist gremlin. Yeah, that's spooky a... organist gremlin. Sexy lady gremlin. Yeah, tattoo say that artist. Again. <laughs> tattoo artist gremlin. Flasher gremlin. Mm-hmm. Admin assistant. <laughs> administrative assistant gremlin. Now these these are not all the gremlins. These are the ones that have costumes. Right. All right. I'm not even halfway done with my list. Bartender gremlin, construction worker gremlin, architect gremlin, <laughs> waiting staff gremlin, tuxedo gremlin, dentist gremlin, New York tourist gremlin, evening gown gremlin, 
Medieval Knight Gremlin, Pirate Gremlin, Sombrero Gremlin, Ballet Gremlin, Phantom of the Opera Gremlin, and Frank Sinatra Gremlin. (laughs) (laughs) They fit perfectly on these little creatures. They come up with these costumes immediately, and the plot tells you nothing about how they come up with these costumes. Well, they're gremlins. (laughs) Gremlins, to me, are They're in a smart building, Anthony. The building is a smart building. Gremlins, to me, are creatures that destroy. Mm -hmm. We've underestimated their creative ability. They are actually creating more than they're destroying with these costumes. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't be so quick to eliminate them. (laughs) We should be putting these gremlins to work. What what does the Tony Randall gremlin say, right? The Tony Randall gremlin (laughs) says that they just want civilization, don't they? The question that people have is, creature, what is it that you want? Fred, what we want is, I think, what everyone wants and what you and your viewers have, civilization. Yes, but uh, what sort of civilization are you speaking of, creature? The niceties, Fred, the fine points. Diplomacy, compassion, standards, manners, tradition. That's what we're reaching toward. Oh, we may stumble along the way, but civilization, yes. The Geneva Convention, chamber music, Susan Sontag. Everything your society has worked so hard to accomplish over the centuries that's what we aspire to. We want to be civilized. You know, they want to, they, they just, they want what we've got, right? So they're, they're mimicking us. They're doing the best. Like they're just doing it on, on a, on a faster, at a faster pace. Their, their mm. ability to, to take, it, it's all part of the criticism, right? It's all part of the criticism of, well, of I human like this nature. because, I mean, if you think about sort of the, the, the Christian myth of civilization beginning, it involves, yes, the loss of innocence, but it also involves Adam and Eve getting clothing, and God mm-hmm. becomes kind of the first tailor in right. Genesis three, and 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 because they've lost their innocence, they could no longer be naked. Now they will now wear clothing. I think what's happening with the Gremlins is you're seeing a sped up version of Genesis three, where you see the, the loss of innocence, of course, Gizmo goes to the the stripe kind of character, but you need the clothing element to achieve the civilization that will come about because of the loss of innocence. Glad finally somebody touched on this. Um, it's It's been a long time coming. But I also think that there's a lot to be said here for, um, for Gizmo, uh, because all of these creatures spawn from him, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. He's he's like the deity, right? Right. So he's all. So all of they are are just they're the elements of him. That and I so said we look at Gizmo as this cute little. That's pretty good, by the way. And uh, <laughs> and we and we are all fascinated by him. We think he's adorable, so we want to get little plushy Gizmos. But these are all. This is what's lurking inside Gizmo. Inside mm. Gizmo, inside Gizmo is is a uh, a homicidal dentist. <laughs> Inside Gizmo is a sexy lady gremlin. Inside Gizmo well, is Tony let's... Randall. I, I... <laughs> so so I think it and so the question I like I want to explore that. Like that's what I want Gremlins 3 to be. I want to be find out like does he become less of those things as those mm-hmm. things pop out of him? 
mm-hmm. or or is it just this is what you're going to get right because it's and gizmo's really just a just a cauldron of insanity well i i'm i like that you're doing this because this of course further brings out my theological critique i mean in god's generative nature because god is the creator and and creating from nothing um from God comes all kinds of evil too, right? Because where are you going to get the serpent if the God figure doesn't have that somewhere in his character? Mm-hmm. So Gizmo in this case is the deity. And of course you put water on the deity. Let's think about like the, the chaotic waters of primordial creation, the Tohu Vabohu, the chaos monsters that are represented by the waters of Genesis 1. You put that together, you've got the deity who's hovering over the water, but then, of course, the water and the deity meet. So you put a little bit of water on Gizmo as the deity. Now, what is that going to generate? More often than not, you're going to open up Pandora's box. And, of course, you see the origin of evil happening in real time in New York City. And, of course, that is exactly why this movie has a critique on workplace sexual harassment. Because... <laughs> That's what civilization will do by taking something that's fundamentally good, the sexual drive of humans, but then putting it in an environment where it's going to be distorted. It's going to become a depraved pursuit, so much so that you're going to have a little gremlin with a trench coat who Mm -hmm. ends up opening up the trench coat because he's an exhibitionist in the office workplace. I mean, this is sort of the ultimate critique on what civilization is, because are we ever truly civilized if deep down inside we have that primary sin nature? Yeah, and then you eat after midnight. (laughs) Not just that. There was other sexual harassment that happens in this movie. I, I mean whole first half an hour of this movie is about Billy being abused by his supervisor and then being exploited by his, and taken out to dinner. He's groped. Yeah. He's fondled by his supervisor. And then poor Billy, he goes home. And he can't even share it with his significant other because he's too ashamed to talk about it. Well, and then she tries to get vulnerable later and talk about an incident that she had with uh, a flasher who looks like Abraham Lincoln. And then... He silences her. Mm-hmm. She's not allowed to tell her story. This movie was far, so far ahead of its time. I'm, I, it still is because I don't think we, we're still not ready, obviously. <laughs> this, this movie's, uh, it's got a lot to it. Got a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you when, when the twins, scientists, Play the music. Are they twins or are they cloned? That's my question. That's great. I mean, I like to see that the movie. The movie does not. The movie's not here to give you answers. It's here to provide you provocative questions. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I think there's something pretty great when uh, Gizmo gets out and starts dancing to the mm. to the rock and roll music, and they start mm-hmm. dancing. But uh, Count Dooku knows. That Gizmo is like because he because because he's got he's he's in touch with a certain uh, sense of evil right and so he he knows evil when he sees mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. so so Gizmo 
that scene is a perfect example of what Gizmo has been doing to us as a society for a long time, luring mm-hmm. us in with his with his sweetness and his cuteness as far as his looks go. But he's got other things on the mind. He's uh, he was he was looking to escape. Right. Now, granted, he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be tested and all that stuff. But that's what he does. He uses his his good looks. He uses mm-hmm. his charm, you know, and he gets us to kind of do whatever we want, you know, and, and, and that's he's been running this show since the beginning. Mm. Mm. This has all been Gizmo's grand plan, and sometimes it gets a little out of control, and uh, and then you have the situation that you had where he has to take matter into his own own hands, and mm-hmm. and as Billy, I think, so aptly puts it, just says, "I don't know. I guess they pushed him too far." <laughs> well, I do, I do like that. His but again, first going back to the whole out of the thing, cage like- is rock and roll because I think Christopher Lee is old enough that he associates Pandora's box of rock and roll with the loss of innocence of, of the late 50s. Right. Yes. And so when Christopher Lee sees him dancing to the rock and roll music, he knows that nothing good is going to come of this. And see, so when you're going back to your your whole gizmo as God um, you know, notion, which I think is is spot on, I mean, these, this is his creation, right? And yeah, and, right. and And the creation then does what it does right so these creation like the, so so the free will of these gremlins have said hey don't eat after midnight garden of eden like kind of spot on right you know mm-hmm. or then now you'll become you'll be you know now sin has entered your life and so they're visibly changed by it right they're naked and ashamed you got to put on trench coats and gowns and uh ascots like the whole deal and <laughs> it all makes sense um, Does anything then, speak to the depravity of human nature than an ascot? Ugh, just so just oh, like like a, like you like a tie wasn't enough, right? You know, no, no. What if what if I just my my whole head, my whole torso is going to be a tie? <laughs> and so you've got so you have all so you have creation running amok, you know, sort of the 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 free will gone gone chaotic, right? Yeah. And notice we don't have any there's no redemption story here. We don't get any sense that this that, that this creation even has the potential for being redeemed, right? And I believe that's how we we as as the creation, we as the fallen uh mm-hmm. humanity think that we can, you know, we could go to church and we can ask for forgiveness and we could do all these different things, maybe just be good people and then we can sort of right the ship that was wrong. But keep in mind the gremlins and what they look like to Gizmo is what we look like to God. <laughs> now I will right. I will so what does he back. have to do? So it's so God is going to smite us. I know we have all the and so we create a narrative that no 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 mm-hmm. you know uh, Gizmo is going to give off one of his own uh, little giz- Gizmo sons and 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 be the sacrifice for all the other gremlins. Like, that, like that's great. That's what we do. That's our creation. Gizmo has Gizmo gets pushed too far, just like God gets pushed too far. Mm-hmm. He becomes war. He becomes like Rambo says. Survive a war. You got to become war. Yeah, and so think about too. You know, bright light, bright light. You know, the, the you know the the bright light of heaven is a little too much for these gremlins. And if you may go well, <laughs> and you may be thinking, well, geez, what about Gizmo? It's like, yeah, I know he says he's he's hiding from the light, but at the end, it's very clear. Every other gremlin is toast. Mm. All the sunlight is back in. Uh, maybe it was a continuity error if you if you follow my wife uh, on this story but i don't think so he's standing there in the lights because it was never really going to bother him in the first place 
Interesting. Gizmo is light. I like I like this. I like this a lot. Um I do want to push back on one bit here because I feel like to say that this story is devoid of redemption is maybe an overstatement. Mm. I think that here we have Fred who's dressed up like Dracula, right? Right. And he he always wanted to be an always. Anchorman. Always dressed up like Dracula. <laughs> he's he's perpetually and uh yeah, it's a kink at this point. <laughs> he's he's always dressed up. He's always with the full, you know, makeup on. He's uh he he's Dracula. He's become his own mediocrity because he always wanted to be an anchorman. But now he's relegated to doing these schlocky vampire videos. But what happens with Fred is that he gets an opportunity amidst the chaos to finally climb that corporate ladder. And he ends up becoming a legitimate news journalist. And if you think about, you know, the the state of Adam and Eve in the garden, they are eternal creatures that death is introduced and to that character until sin is introduced. If you think about Dracula, here we have an eternal being who's going to be for eternity wallowing in his mediocrity. But his redemption story is now. He finally, you think he's too old to do it. He's not. He's eternal. He's going to become a news anchor at the end of the day. And of course, this brings us to the good news. He's going to be spreading the good news of redemption to see, all of New York City. See, I, and this is where I think I think that you're misreading the critique. You have a character here who is chasing eternity. Going back to what I was saying is this I, this notion that we can create narratives that say that we can get closer to God because God created us, and then but we are just gremlins. He puts on an outfit. He puts on a persona that that he believes. Uh, gets him closer to eternal life. Yeah. But knowing that that eternal life is is folly. So what does he do? So what is his redemption arc? It's to fall right into line with serving man, oh, serving so right. that narrative. So, oh, so this right. movie, I mean the, the movie What do what do news anchors do? They don't spread the good news. They're all about bad news. They spread the fear, they spread propaganda. Oh. This this is even more insidious than I had given it credit for. They reeled me in. It's it's like Gizmo's cute little nature mm-hmm. reels you right in. You don't realize what's happening. You don't realize <laughs> the silver tongue of the of the serpent brings you right in to the to the depravity of the entire story. And subtly in there, there is an opportunity where there is a chance to like. I think the one glean, like the one little guidance you get, right? So what? So what? What, what do you see? Like, what is the whole concept of gremlins? Like, the whole concept of being in charge of gremlins is mm. is to is to negate. Don't no light, no water, no food after midnight. These are all negative yeah. concepts. But then there is one glimmer. You get those three rules, and they are countered. By three gifts, Ooh. the training, the prayers, the vitamins. <laughs> Hulkamania might save us yet. <laughs> if we could just let it run wild. <laughs> could you have gremlins in this theater now? 
Okay, you guys, listen up. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Do I have to come up there myself? Do you think the Grimsters can stand up to the Hulkster? Well, if I were you, I'd run the rest of Gremlins too, right now. There wasn't folks. enough of the Hulkster in this movie. Though. I think there was su- <laughs> there was sufficient Hulk. <laughs> he challenged the Gremsters to try to take on the Hulkster. He, not only that, he he frightened them into putting the movie back on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were frightened by they they know that they're no match for the Hulkamania. <laughs> the one thing that can hold the one thing that can hold the gremlins in check is just a talking to by Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so that's your Gremlins 3, right? It's just got to be Hulk Hogan versus the Gremlins. Have you ever seen Gremlins 3? There is no Gremlins 3. Oh, I thought that there was. I, th- I saw... Uh... Let's see here. Let me click on this. Gremlins 3, the sequel to... Hmm. I'm on the IDMB page for 2023 Gremlins 3. Oh. Uh, writer Chris Columbus. Screenplay Carl's Ellsworth. It looks like there might be... In the works, a Gremlins three. Well, I'm all, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> you know, I'm in. Okay, yeah, interesting. I, I'll be honest. I had to watch a lot of this movie on mute. Uh, because <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's all way to watch it. <laughs> all of the, all of the tittering and the, the cackling, and the you were scared. I I was a, I was very it was hard to take it was hard to take. Uh, I was not prepared for the amount of the gremlins. You're see your own humanity, friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's uh, hard to look at yourself in the mirror for for this long, isn't it? <laughs> I love the gargoyle gremlin, right? I mean. That, that gremlin goes that through a lot. That was a lot. They did a lot of work to make the, the... That gremlin goes through a lot, right? The gremlin gets gets injected with bat serum, and then he makes a bat sig- you know, symbol. And then, you know, he's like the one gremlin that got out, right? And then they give him the sun the sunscreen, right? And what I loved is, like, Tony Randall just goes full ex- exposition mode to explain to us exactly... You know, and this is like this is like one of the times like of all the things that are going on, like there were there were so there was two moments where uh, when Heather was awake, um, that she she offered up like sound critiques, like I mean, in the <laughs> midst of absolute chaos, right? In the midst of everything that's going on, uh, one of them was, uh, yeah, we get it. We don't you don't need to explain to us why uh, injecting this thing with sunblock is beneficial because you know, you can't be out in sunlight, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, then there's the, just, why don't you just load up on that, Graham? <laughs> you know? uh, and then the uh, other one was, uh, hey, the gremlin in the soup is, that counts as getting wet, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think I would take issue with that critique because that scene is establishing two things at once it's, it's establishing why that gremlin's going to fly into the sunlight but it's also establishing the character development of the brain gremlin you're seeing him talk you're seeing him use vocabulary 
in a way that no other gremlin has used vocabulary. So he hasn't learned less is more when it comes to talking. <laughs> He's still figuring that part out. <laughs> Honestly, very rarely have I seen a movie where I thought they didn't pull a punch. <laughs> every swing, every they took every swing. There was nothing left on the table. The, they went all out to make this movie. <laughs> they did. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did somebody leave something out? Not I. It's eating my vegetable medley. I think the entire movie you could say is in some way a critique on the greed, you know, the these skyrise billionaires of New York City. Maybe an intentional critique on the guy who's paying. I mean, I I guess right out the gate, you're kind of messing with the whole Warner Brothers brand, right? Right. Well, and you have, so he's Trump, right? He's supposed to be a Trump character. It's Clamp. I want to talk about Clamp, but go ahead and uh, continue. And I I like your, you know, your logo, the C, it's a clamp and it's squeezing the world. Like it's smashing the world. Like, and there's something about that right there's a couple of things yeah, you can the look whole at logo is you can look at the visual as like it's kind of crushing the world like there's a there's a certain uh you know pressure that's being put on by these types of, of figures and it's and it's the other way you can look at it is like it's shrinking the world to some degree right it's flattening it right it's so it's taking mm-hmm. the world we know and it's maybe taking some of the nuance that like this in the pursuit of progress in the pursuit of of the next great thing you know you've got cloning going on you've got uh, color there's a ted turner critique they're colorizing uh these old you know yeah, like colorizing casablanca with a new happier ending right and so there's this idea that that not only can things be better but the old has to be improved upon and so there's mm-hmm. there's there's no sense of uh like you, you lose a sense of um respect for the past um because the past is the past was, you know, we didn't have the technology yet, so so we now have the ability to go back and we could fix it, right? And so that's... Well, yeah, it's not just that. It's the co- commodification of the past in, in the sure. same way that you're trying to use something that's beloved like Gremlins as a cash grab. We're going to colorize and give a happier ending to Casablanca. Right. And so, they, and then you have the whole cloning concept, right? And like the idea is like, well, what are we cloning for? And like, so mm. even like with the, you know, the, the, the cloning critique can also have a, a sequel critique in there as well, right? You're just taking the same thing and you're making it again, you know? And it's like, and so what, you know, so what if you could do that? Right. And it's like, are you, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it because it betters humanity? Or are you doing it because you're, you know, you're just, you're, are you trying to play God? Or are you just, is it just something you can do? So you're doing it, you know? So there's, Sort of this 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 shallow attempts at at all these these different things. It's like what are they accomplishing, right? And so like here's this smart building that's. I mean, this building is it's like everything. It's like it's a it's everything that you want to critique in this is in this building, <laughs> including frozen yogurt. <laughs> uh, noted uh, Julia Sweeney's in this movie. Julia Sweeney, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know his name, but he played Tuco on Breaking Bad. Oh, he was the uh, he was the maintenance worker who was singing right? the song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got that. I don't know what is more horrific in this movie: the Gremlins or the fact that in New York City, 
a truck full of mimes <laughs> will <laughs> we'll pull up. They'll open up the back of the truck, and like 10 mimes will just jump right out of the truck for no reason. There's no purpose to them. They, they don't come back into the plot. It's just to, to give you the flavor of New York life. There, right. are, there are trucks full of mimes in New York City. That's just adding more horror to the film, I guess. <laughs> Dick Buckus makes a, a cameo. Yeah, very briefly. Very yeah. briefly, right? And this and uh, Bubba Smith brief cameo the voice of uh mohawk the striped uh, gremlin is frank welker who's also the voice of uh megatron oh um, did not know that and this one i don't think is as is intentionally as scary as the first one right well i mean i mean the first one's supposed to be for kids right i, I don't mean... think so i think that's what we I mean, all the, thought they're basically puppets they well sure I don't think the first one's scary at all. It's gory. Uh, they're, okay. they, mi- they microwave gremlins until they explode. <laughs> you watch okay. one melt from the sunlight fairly dramatically. Um, he's attacking Billy with a chainsaw at one point, like right in his face. He gets Billy gets shot at least once, maybe twice, with a crossbow. I guess you did have the, uh, you actually had the science teacher die. Yeah, science teacher dies, but they launched a woman out of her own house from her, (laughs) from her little, you know, stair climbing thing. The first Gremlins is, it's intentionally a little horrific. Whether or not you're scared by it is different. Whereas this one does not have that same, the stakes. I get get it. All right. I see what you're saying. This one had a giant spider. That was scary enough. Yeah, but this was this was a spectacle that knew it was a spectacle, and it said, "We're just gonna do a spectacle." That's what I felt, right? I mean, <laughs> is there a tweak that you'd make to this movie to improve it? I'd probably add like thirty minutes. Because <laughs> I think that, I think there's I think there's some gremlin uh, hijinks that were sort of left on the cutting room floor. I don't really feel like I understood what I was getting into probably for the first half an hour of the movie, I felt like when those two technicians were talking about the sort of the nonsense of the eating after midnight rule, Mm -hmm. as soon as that happened, I thought, okay, I get it. Like I I get where they're going with this. They're, They're actually criticizing the original movie because they're having that conversation that we all had on the playground. Like, so I don't know. Maybe bring that in earlier, mm. or or eliminate the first half an hour. But, well, I think so. they I think they warn you right out the gate, right? I think I mean why are why is this movie start with Daffy and Bugs? Right. Yeah. I think I think it's it's setting a tone because like it does feel weird. You're like, well, is this the cartoon before the movie? And I think it's very clear at this point. It's like it's gonna get Looney Tunes. I think that this movie has a post-credit scene too with Daffy Duck. Did you did you hang around long enough to see that? Uh, I did not last night, but I do. Feel and like I, I wonder if it's maybe the very first post-credit scene because I know like uh, Wayne's World did that, right? Well, Ferris Bueller and... did a post-credit scene. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Ferris Bueller. Uh, I'd like to see a little Robert Picardo. He was Forster. Yep. Really and, his, great. and his fortunes change, right? I mean, like he's a guy that you think is gonna because he seems like a bad guy. Like you think mm-hmm. he's gonna 
he's going to pay a price. And then you go, oh, he did pay a price. He was uh, sexually assaulted by a woman gremlin. Then you realize, oh, no, he's actually going to be okay. Well, he has lipstick all over his face. And when I say all over his face, I mean like all there's over like there's like 20, 20 lipstick marks on his face. And he he's hung around long enough for her to put on a wedding dress and very slowly go through the wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, he he decides to go with it. He decides I could do worse. Than sexy lady gremlin, and I think that you're supposed to think that they live happily ever after. Yeah, and I'm not, and and so there's to me that's your Gremlins three. <laughs> you bring back Robert Picardo, Picardo as Forster, and he's been married with for thirty years to the same Gremlin woman, right? And its kids are just trying to deal with with just being sort of like you can deal with all kinds of like uh, you know interracial tension <laughs> just through the story of the kids. And of course you've got the clamp, you know, clamp character. He's now president. Yes. He's obviously president. <laughs> Love how it just sort of like kind of bow on everything at the end. Everybody's getting promoted. Everybody's getting something special. Is the clamp character, is he supposed to be a bad guy? Because there's a sense in which, he, you know, you could see like, well, yeah, he's trying to squeeze this this businessman, but in reality, at the end of the day, he's just sort of seduced by the money of it, and he, you know, he wants to be a hero, but he ends up kind of seeing the error of his ways at the at the end of the day, and he wants to sort of return to small town life. Yeah, that it that is an interesting take that they did because it could have easily been a bad guy and i think the movie was kind of smart to not like have another bad like you've got somewhere in the neighborhood of like 1500 bad guys <laughs> you know i don't know if you need this other i don't know you don't they actually to... did a musical number <laughs> yeah. with all of the gremlin puppets yeah the uh, <laughs> yeah and they all i love when they all make the make the face of the sexy woman gremlin like <laughs> They put it together like the, and she comes rising out of them. I mean, there's mm-hmm. and one thing about like you talk about like, you know, oh, gremlins are always known for like you know wrecking things and causing chaos. And then you say, oh, well, you know, we've underestimated their creativity. And really, it's just their showmanship. I mean, these That's guys it. they ham it up. They are show. They absolutely. They're they're trying to destroy the world to create using the raw materials of destruction to then create a stage mm-hmm. like a phoenix from the ashes they're trying to use their environment to create the perfect gremlin stage so that they can do the musical number at the end yeah that's and, and that would be their utopian society right it would just be <laughs> a musical uh, everything's everything is sing song and lots of laughter dude they love to laugh they love it you know i mean gremlins love to have a good time so <laughs> So Cramp Enterprises, a big a big portion of Cramp Enterprises, is that it's a media conglomerate, right? And when Mr. Clamp thinks that the world is now ending, he puts on this peaceful video that kind of, you know, tells humanity, you know, I hope you've enjoyed this channel, but I also hope you've enjoyed life. 
Yeah. And it just, you know, shows a lot of serene images of nature to kind of help people ease people into the long darkness that's going to happen after the apocalypse, right? Knowing that he has a responsibility as like the number one watch the station. They're gonna so be looking to him. He's gonna help he's gonna help people kind of mourn the death of humanity in general. Um I read, and I don't know if this is all on the internet, so who knows if it's real or not, but I read that the scriptwriters got that idea because they found out that one of the major news networks actually has a video like that on hand. <laughs> wow. <laughs> In case they have to broadcast the end of the world. Could you imagine? Could you imagine, like, like you, you've got the information. I don't know how, I don't know exactly what the circumstance is, but you know, like, oh, humanity is going to be done. <laughs> maybe it's nuclear war right like i'm sure that's probably like the genesis of this mm-hmm. uh but or an asteroid is coming and it's inevitable mm-hmm. uh and you're like what's on <laughs> what else wanna, is on and then you find life. it you're like oh there we go you know <laughs> kids yeah, you go out and play one last time i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sit here and watch bunnies humping yeah, just until, yeah, one, until the one asteroid hits. <laughs> Is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard film? Um, the answer may surprise you. <laughs> Nothing would surprise me at this point. <laughs> I think it's properly Howard. I saw Forster get his mind around his initial aversion to sexy lady gremlin and decide to marry her. So <laughs> no, Full nothing it would surprise me. All right. So sorry. What was your rating? Properly Howard. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I feel like I, I enjoyed the experience. I definitely do not want to experience it again. So could I do like a, an expiration rating on my my rating. Oh yeah. So we're gonna say okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go say go ahead and say Howard minus two. But don't apply that rating after midnight. <laughs> yeah, I'll allow that. So, which of the Gremlins movie did you like better, one or two? Um, hmm. I mean, just the last hour of this movie was quite a ride um so is there a have to battle one to grow on moment in this film steve if joe dante says i don't want to make a sequel to a movie maybe find another director (laughs) and yet and yet he gave you a properly howard movie (laughs) right but i'm just saying i don't know if people like you just got to wonder, like, I don't know. I guess it didn't do as well as the first one. <laughs> but, I mean, you just got to wonder if, like, the studio is like, well, that's not what we're asking for. So if, you, if you're listening to this and you, you went ahead and watched Gremlins 2 with us, so you've come this far. You, you're the kind of person that sat down and watched Gremlins 2, and then you listened to a podcast about Gremlins 2. Uh you might want to just take that last little step and do a a YouTube search for Key and Peel Gremlins too. It's pretty great. It, yeah, it, that, it sums it up pretty well. 
It sums it up. Is there anything? Is there anything else to say about Gremlins Two? Is there anything else to say about season three of Cocoons of Horror, Steve? Um. Well, as far as uh, you know, sequels, which you know, this was part mm-hmm. three, I guess, of Cocoons of Horror. If you look at it that way mm-hmm. uh i guess the question i have for you is do you feel that this is like a superman three mm. third installment is this a uh Re- return of the jedi third installment mm. are you you're asking me to rate the the entire season of cocoons of horror uh yes this is by far our best work okay so let's so just you, imagine, like so what we, would we, what we what third. movie did its best? I guess a a, a Return of the King. Ah, this okay. Is, this is this sort is of a, the this is our Return of the King. This is a, this season is our Return of the King, which is going to not just I mean not just because of the quality work we did this season, but also because you're taking into account the the groundwork that we laid in the first two seasons. Gotcha. Okay, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, a a book may come out of this discussion (laughs) because I, I, some, some of what we discussed about the theology beyond behind Gremlins two probably needs to be put onto the table of academia just to kind of see what happens in that conversation. Right, and then I think even that could spawn a movie. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Passion of the Gizmo at some point. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works, and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told. 
following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>